You know when you find out something happens and your neighbor's like, I had no idea that was going on. If only I had a clue we could have knew that that was happening. Well, this is your clue that this Ole Miss offense could be absolutely elite coming into next season. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, thanks for watching the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. There's the Twitter address down below. Also, this episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Also, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So sign up for YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications and participate in the conversation by commenting down below and upvoting the video itself. We'd appreciate that very much. I'm a little bit under the weather, and you can see our um, Locked On Ole Miss polos came in. I'm rocking one of them today. Um, We are going to get those out to our contributors real quick, and if we have any leftovers, we're going to give away some, some, some stuff, some thank yous to people as well. So look for that if we've reached out for you to you already. Know that that's where that stands. All right, Ole Miss has a road to an elite offense. And now, I'm not talking about Matt Corral 2021 elite. I'm not talking about Matt Corral even 2020 elite. I'm not talking about Eli Manning 2003 elite. I'm talking Tennessee 2022 elite. I'm talking LSU 2019 elite. Ole Miss has a road to that. Now, Ole Miss has a wide receiver room. We're going to start there that may be the most talented that they've put on the field. And yes, I know that. I said what I said. I said what I said. I know that AJ and DK was on the field together with Demarcus Lodge. Heck, I've got a poster of AJ and Demarcus Lodge and DK in this studio. So I understand what that means. But Chris Marshall and Trey Harris have a potential to be so much of an upgrade of what we had last year. And that is not talking down at all about Jonathan Mingo and um, Malik Heath. They performed admirably. They were very good. But Trey Harris and Chris Marshall, Marshall are different style wide receivers. You look at Chris Marshall and you can see Laquan Treadwell all over his game. And everybody can think of what Ole Miss's offense even looked like back in 2015. And what Laquan brought to the table. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be real similar, honestly, to having Laquan on one side and DeMoria on another with Trey Harris. You've got big body guys that with insane catch radiuses, radiuses that can make big time receptions. That's what's happening on the outside. You don't really necessarily have a deep threat per se, but these guys absolutely can go get the ball. Now, you have other receivers like Aiden Williams. I do think Aiden Williams has a chance to be a special wide receiver that gets on the field at a relatively early period of time. You've got Jordan Watkins. You've got um, Dayton Wade. And then you have the tight ends of Caden Priestcorn and Michael Trigg. So whenever you look at what Ole Miss has to, at their disposal – 
it would probably, even though 2018 was the gold standard for wide receivers at Ole Miss, this whole unit would favor favor 2015 pretty well, actually. So you've got your guy with your Superman. You got your Chris Marshall. He has to come out and perform. He has to do what he has to do. We got burned by Michael Trigg last year, but if he goes out and does what he's supposed to do, he has all the ability in the world to do that. You another side, you got Trey Harris, who is like that Stringfellow type wide receiver, that Dante Moncrief type wide receiver, a physical guy that can make all the catches, decent um, catch catch radius, and. Then at the tight end position, Caden Priestcorn, Michael Trick. Now, I do think Ole Miss is going to run a little 12 personnel. So at the slot wide receiver, that this is where this is important, okay? At the slot wide receiver, Ole Miss can run 12 personnel and the formations and everything looks exactly how they normally do. Nothing special has to be done. We just have to play Michael Trigg out there at the slot position, him and Jordan Watkins, to where he becomes a plus wide receiver. And in the middle of the field, him and Caden Priestcorn could be a little bit of a weapon if Priestcorn can prove to be an adequate blocker up front. Now, you take an all-conference running back, which Ole Miss has not had in a long time that, that I can remember, maybe since Deuce, um, playing running back in the Ole Miss system. You've got Quinshawn Judkins. You've got Kedrick Griscano, who very easily could have been the MVP of the Polynesian Bowl. Great balance, great lateral movement, excellent running back. So you can see the skill positions are all where we want them to be. The big question mark is going to be the quarterback competition. And this is one of the reasons you should be thankful for this quarterback position. I realize that after the last two years, the last three years, people get tired of going through this each and every year. But competition breeds sharpness. Iron sharpens iron. So Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard are going to go through this for the next seven months for the right to get on the field against Mercer. They will be better players for it. Everybody should be in favor of this. And this is another reason that Ole Miss has a chance for an elite offense. The fact that they're just going to go through it for the next essentially six or seven months and get ready. The you're going to have an offense that is going to be hitting on all cylinders. Now, here's the one caveat, the one different, the one problem. We can't do what we did last year. You can't do that into the end of the season stuff. You need to have your guy by the second or third week of fall, period. It doesn't matter. If it goes on beyond that, you've got a problem. All of a sudden, locker room issues, everything can come into play. You need this cut and dry by the third week of fall camp. And if you do that, you have a chance to have a pretty pretty good, pretty clicking on all cylinders offense going into the regular season. And this offense, like I said, could be absolutely elite. This could be the year that somebody like Jordan Watkins completely blows up. Michael Trigg makes his comeback to it. The light comes on with him. Caden Priestcorn in the middle of the field. The offense could look more similar to what you remember it looking like with Matt Corral. And because they have the weapons in the middle of the field to make them pay. 
I think strategically they made a mistake in 2022 by, by getting away from that. And because of that, the run game became predictable. And as the end of the season went on, it became harder to move. The red zone became harder. Everything became more difficult because you weren't affecting linebackers the way that they were expecting you to do it. By the end of the year, they could just tee off on the inside zone play. And Quinshawn, obviously, sometimes he would do really good things because he's an elite back. But he could have done even more if that threat would have been there. He's one of those guys with the lateral movement to basically take a direct hit and make it a glancing blow. Take a glancing blow and it turns into a missed tackle. That special skill that he has, has the ability to press on. And in this, in this offense, if the middle of the field passing game becomes an effective th um, thing for Ole Miss, this team has the chance to be really, really special. Anyway, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with the $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays. So, all in, this, all in an app that is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Yes, I realize in the state of Mississippi, you need to go to a retail place to bet. But our Ole Miss fans in Tennessee, you can use the FanDuel and make that work out for you as well. If you don't live in Tennessee, I'm, I'm sorry, honestly. So we'll see what's going on. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. Really cool stuff. All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Make sure now you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's got everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right. We are winding down on the transfer portal. And there's a couple of players that go with things. You've got the late signing day, and you've got the late transfer portal window. Okay? That's what's left. At this point right now, you are at probably around 90% of what your roster is going to be constructed, if that makes sense. But there's still that 10%. So how are they going to do that? We've heard um, from Lawrence County, there's the Jonathan Davis kid, a defensive lineman, really good player. I do not know why. Nobody has heard of him, but you look at him playing the defensive line position, they line him up at 300 pounds out at the end. They line him up in the middle to be, to be the biggest guy on the field, which he is. Really good players. He's got offers from Texas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss at this point, to my knowledge, but a good player. So we'll see exactly where he hits in the late signing day. Chim Diono, late signing day. You know, 
So we'll see what he does. So, and there's other players that might pop in the next three or four days in regards to the early transfer portal window. It's not completely done, but we're at the point where it's going to get really slow. The faucet kind of becomes a drip, if you know what I mean. So we'll keep an eye on them. We'll keep an eye on those late transfer portal guys uh, and we'll late signing day guys. And we'll see exactly what goes on with them because Ole Miss is still constructing the roster and defensive linemen popping up in the late signing day, that makes all the sense in the world. That's just like that, um, the Oregon transfer on the defensive line, Keanu Williams. Um, he, he's another guy if he goes to Ole Miss. Ole Miss wants defensive linemen because we told you in last year's system, Ole Miss was essentially playing with one interior defensive lineman. It was all on the nose guard. It was going to be, you know, J.J. Pegues or Katie Hill or anything. Whenever they would sit it, it would be right there in the middle of the field. Well, now under Pete Golding, you have to deal with three of those interior defensive linemen playing defensive line. Like they're going to move J.J. Pegues probably outside. They're going to have a Josh Harris. They're going to do somebody on the right side. So they need bodies. You know, Jamon Gordon's fine. Xavion Harris is great. They need more people to have competition because you need more than six people going through the competition or else there's not really a competition because you need those six people. So Ole Miss is going to look to add big guys. The other thing that I think they're going to try and find is a jack. It is a unique position that exists inside this defense. Now, Georgia has them because you know, they're Georgia. Alabama has them because they're Alabama. But whenever you're trying to play that defense, you're trying to find somebody of that body type, of that speed, of that size-speed ratio, they become difficult to get to and difficult to find. So we'll see if in the transfer portal Ole Miss adds a body. They find somebody that's you know, in the 250-pound range that can run a little bit, can cover, can do whatever they need to be done. But... That's, that is something that I feel like is going to be recruited in high school recruiting in the future. We're going to have to make do at that position as it sits now. Somebody like Cedric Johnson is probably going to play out there in year one. But they're going to recruit high school players that they can mold and build into that position. That, that's just my opinion of what's going on there. But the Jack is a, is a crazy important position in this defensive scheme. Whether it's Pete Golding at UTSA, where he had Marcus Davenport, or Pete Golding in Alabama, where he had Will Anderson. They're go they need a certain type of player to fit there. You either need to mold them and develop them from, from a three- or four-star player, or you need to go out and find somebody that fits that role. So we'll see exactly what happens there. I mean, linebackers, Ole Miss, they have three that I count of. You know, they probably need a linebacker. We'll see how that goes. The kid from Alabama is still out there. Was it Demoy Kennedy or whatever his name is? We'll see exactly how that goes. And if you look at these linebackers that Ole Miss is looking at, their size is somewhere around where Suntarian is. It, Suntarian can get there and get it plus that actually fairly easily. So that's, that's good news as well. But... If you look at how this roster is going to be constructed, 
these are the areas that I think Ole Miss is going to look at. Ole Miss's special teams is kind of where it needs to be. Offensively, they're where they need to be. It's those two positions. They're fine defensive back. They're fine nose guard. You, you want somebody on the outside, potentially on the defensive line, and you want a jack. It's that, it's that physics problem that we've talked about several hundred times at this point. Eliminating that physics problem becomes the most important thing. So we'll see exactly how they do that as well. Because should be a lot of should be really interesting, honestly. You know, coming up in the next segment, we're gonna have Tim Thomas. We're gonna talk about Ole Miss basketball for better or for worse. You know, the Arkansas game, the Missouri game. We're gonna reach out to the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Not looking forward to that a whole bunch, but whatever. I mean, this good that Oklahoma State could potentially get a win over us but you know how it is but we'll see how that goes um like i said i don't feel great about it at the moment so that is the basic stuff we're going to get into the basketball in just a second but i hope today was a good show i hope you guys had a good time and if you get an email about the polo giveaway um let me know the information. I'll get those mailed out pretty quick. Anyway, we will come back. Ole Miss basketball, Tim Thomas. Stick around. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So hit a subscribe on the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications of new videos when they're released and comment down below and upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. Ole Miss dropped a game against Missouri, kind of a broken record at this point, Tim. Um, and Missouri shot over 50% from three. Matthew Morrell did not play in this game, but somehow Ole Miss was able to score the ball. They had 77 points. But like always, when you look at those little scoring charts that ESPN does, you just always see that straight line for about five or six minutes in any game. And that, again, was Ole Miss's undoing last night, I think. Yeah, Morrell was out. He had a hurt knee from the game in Arkansas. I think they said it was a game decision last night, so hopefully he'll play this coming Saturday when they go to Stillwater and play Oklahoma State. But, yeah, uh, several guys stepped up. They knew they had, had to. Uh, uh, several guys, uh, Ruffin had, uh, I think, 18. Uh, Brakefield had 15. Brakefield's been playing really well. And uh, Fagan came in and got 12. So it makes a bit of a difference when you, someone like that's out. So everybody kind of steps up. But they did. They got 77 points, which was plenty enough points to win. But the game plan was an issue. I don't know who he has doing the game plan. I guess he swaps it around with his assistant coaches. And they come in and say this is the best way to win. Uh, they were wrong. Uh, they, they were playing defense and letting them have the threes. And the issue is, Stephen, they never stopped the game plan and change it to stop the three. They were hitting threes one after another. I guess they said, well, maybe they'll stop the second half. They won't hit the threes. Nobody can shoot that good. But from three, they shot 53%, I believe, uh, 16 for 30, which is, you know, rather good. And Ole Miss played, you know, they did pretty good. I think we hit 10 of them, but uh, it was good night. The rims were, were nice tonight, but uh, we just couldn't score enough to keep up with our high pace, pace offense. They have several good kids at Kobe Brown inside. He always say stuff. He, he's from around here in uh, Huntsville, right here near me, Huntsville, Alabama. Kobe Brown, him and his brother 
of Caleb, really good players. I think they played at Lee High School here nearby. Really good. Uh, he'll be a pro. He'll probably be all SEC. He sees the floor. He shoots the three, hit a couple of threes, and then he also uh, dishes off really well for the three. They, they're a good team. They were coached really well by the Gates guy. But we, we just didn't come together. Uh, I listened to the post game with Kermit. He didn't have a lot of answers. Uh, they just uh, they scored enough, but their defense game plan uh, was not appropriate for Missouri last night because they hit 16 out of 33s. Yeah, that, that's absolutely insane. I'm pretty sure. Now, I, I'm in my mid-40s and everything, and I would put myself as a pretty good basketball player back in the day, but right now I could probably make 50% of my free throws. There's no way that I would probably be above 50% of my free throws at the moment. To see somebody go over 50% from outside the arc, that, that, that's insane. Yeah, uh, it, it's hard to really know what's going on with Kerman now. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I try to stay on his side. I'm trying to be a team player, you know, but it's, it's really hard. I saw a stat yesterday that uh, Ole Miss basketball in the pavilion hasn't won an SEC game for one whole year. You know, it's really hard to understand. And, and we've talked about this. Uh, they have uh, six guys that will be leaving uh, after this year, the McKinnis, Burns, Akuba. Fagan, Allen, and Mbala, and really, really none of those guys, you know, really score. So, ever who, if it's Kermit, if he stays, I'm not sure. Uh, one other thing, I heard the uh, Keith Carter uh, conversation with uh, Ben Garrett, um, and he, he said he likes to wait to the end of the year to do anything. He don't like to do anything during the year unless it's some kind of discipline or some kind of something like that. I understand that. Wait to the end of the year. He does all his coaches like that. So I understand that Keith has a good point. But what I was saying is, you know, we got we got these six guys that they're all defensive type players and other portal guys may leave. So everyone who comes, they're going to have to come back with some players next year. And I think me and you talked a little bit during the week. We got several guys coming in uh, that could really uh, be good. Uh, Josh Hubbard. Uh, he's a high-scoring guard who plays uh, with explosiveness and confidence. He's scored over 4,000 points so far in his high school career. He's from Madison, Mississippi. He's a 5'11 guard, uh, number one player in Mississippi. I know I'm a little ahead of that. I got a little ahead there. <laughs> Hope for the future. Sorry about that. Uh, Rashad Marshall, uh, a bruising, I read this, bruising post player with huge hands and a, a go-to move over his shoulder. Gritty, tough guy. Inside, he's six nine, number one player in Arkansas. So he's he, he's done some good recruiting. Another guy, Jordan Burks, he's from here in Decatur, Alabama. He actually uh, moved uh, out to California to academy. Now he's in the at Hillcrest Prep in Arizona. Kind of makes you wonder about some of these guys that's always moved around. But mm. uh, I won't say no more about that. A lot of uh, upside perimeter uh, skills. Um, he got a smooth stroke. He's six nine. And then Jacob Gazzo, I don't know if you heard about him. This is interesting. Um, he goes to Briarcrest Christian in Macomb, Mississippi. Uh, he was going up for a dunk in a game and fell back on his back, and he was paralyzed for several months. Uh, he finally came back, and now he's playing again. But that, that, they still got him on scholarship. And Burke Kermit, on one of his interviews, he said he's, he's doing well. So he's a six six eight forward. So there's help on the way. Uh, I don't know if it'll be for Kermit. I think you got to go out to the portal and you got to come up with some uh, high scoring, non stop scoring, score from every area, 
three-point shooters to win in the SEC. Well, now that leads an interesting question because if you're talking about scores, my question is how do we know these guys with another head coach, if that happens, are not scores? Because you've got Austin Crowley averaging nearly 18 down at USM. You've got um, Jarkel Joyner averaging like 17 and a half at NC State. You've got K.J. Buffett and Luis Rodriguez both doing really well. I'm beginning – they weren't scoring here. They're scoring there. What's what's the problem? What's the disconnect? I'm not sure because uh, they're all, as you just said, they're all doing well. And when they came in, they were automatic scorers. So something between them and Kermit uh, didn't work well. I won't go deep into that because it, it's none of my business. And I really don't know. I just know we have this many guys, and I saw the same list you did. Those guys are doing well where they're at, and they're scoring many points. So it seems like they, these scores come in, but whatever happens with Kermit, I know he loves to take them out. I mean, if they, a defensive uh, snafu, if they do something wrong or don't block out or they let somebody – and I understand that issue of, of you know, for your team and defensive-minded, yeah, but if you got a prolific score that can score, 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 he can make up uh, for his defensive issues. You know, like Ruffin. You know, he can. Last night he finally got hot. He had several threes, which is good to see. But uh, I think that may be part of it because if you, if you always got in the back of your mind, if I make one little error here, I'm gonna get jerked out. If I do this or do that, if I make one bad shot or if I do one shot, if I make one shot that Kermer's not uh, don't like or we don't run, don't pass it enough and that could be an issue. I don't know. But evidently, something has happened. Like Jarko or Joyner, I was saying he should be the mayor of Oxford. Great kid. I met him at an alumni meeting. And uh, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, it's not good that, that these kids are going off and scoring all these great points and leading their teams in offense. And we, we stuck here with uh, Matthew Morrell averaging 14. And no one else is even averaging over 10 points a game. And Morrell was out. Uh, and so it, it is what it is, as you say. Uh, right now, we got to just play this game out and, and see what happens at the end of the year. Yeah, it, it should be pretty interesting. Um, with Oklahoma State coming up on Saturday, do you know anything about the Cowboys? Not really. I just know they're in the Big 12. I, I should have looked more about that, but I didn't. But I know they'll be good. They, they play there with Texas and Oklahomas and and if they play with those guys, you know, we got beat by Oklahoma in that uh, one tournament. So I know they'll be good. I'm not sure. But if we get Morrell back and and get some semblance of uh, confidence and we can get uh, everybody playing together and maybe they'll start fighting for Kermit. If there is such a thing, if they want to, if they want to fight for their coach, because it's getting, it's getting apparent, you know, it's starting to get on the talk shows and social media about, you know, Kermit's job. And it, it's definitely something that they're aware of. Uh, and and some of these guys is you know are looking to go somewhere else. I mean, you just go ahead and put it out there. Someone may have more nil money for Ruffin or or for one of these other guys. So th it, that's out there too. So it's a it's going to be a strange ending of this year. Some people like you, Stephen, probably ready for it to be over with and bring on baseball. I love basketball, but it, it's hard for me to watch. It's hard for me to see uh, this team continuously. Uh, they have spurts of good play they have spurts of playing well and the guys inside slap a ball the well and they they don't miles burns has some great wonderful dunks he, here lately he's had so much it's unbelievable espn type mm -hmm. dunks but 
after they dunk, they get down on the end of the court and they, they, they do their muscles and whatever. And they spend half the time, you know, celebrating and, and proud of themselves. And then the other teams already hit two threes before, before they get to celebrate. So there's an issue with me. I don't like all that. It, it's, you got to play like you've done it before. You know, you can't yeah. be celebrating every, every little three you hit or every dunk you make that it's the first one you've ever done, you know, but uh, that's my point of view. All right, moving forward, the immediate future, what does Ole Miss need to do just to kind of start to turn this around? Morrell has to come back. Ruffin has to be shooting well. They, they have, For them to win any at all the rest of the year, I, I, you know, really maybe half the games, if they're lucky, and the ones at home are the only ones that are going to be able to win. If they're playing like they are now, that's going to be really hard to win away from home. It just it is what it is. But maybe when a few at home and maybe surprise somebody on that Tuesday, they're definitely going to play on Tuesday unless something happens really quick. And that's, that's a hard road to hold there. When you play on Tuesday, you got to play four games to win the whole thing to be able to go to NCAA. And that's what Keith Carter said. If you don't go to the NCAA tournament, you're not going to make it. So Kermit's got that looking at him straight in the face, and uh, it's going to be hard for him to do. All right. Thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. We'll check back in next week. Hopefully, this basketball team can turn it around a little bit. Uh, but if not, we, we will still have plenty of stuff to talk about, man. Yeah, I would hope so. I'm, I'm looking forward to them going to OK State and maybe, you know, upsetting them. I mean, maybe they'll take us lightly. They look at our record. Maybe we'll upset them and come home. And, you know, if we could get Kentucky, a lot of people forget about some of the other losses. If you could win, if you could beat Kentucky at home, I think we have a good crowd regardless because a lot of people like to watch Kentucky. So if we can get a win there, I'm trying to be optimistic, Stephen, trying to be optimistic. But if we don't, it's going into cellar. And I wish Kermit well. We'll see what happens. All right, bud. See you next week, man. God bless. See you. All right.